This is Bernie Clifton, and it's another podcast, a different podcast, may I say. Instead of being in the showroom cinema in the heart of Sheffield with an audience of several, I'm quite alone in a studio that's owned by Curious Art, also in the centre of Sheffield, but at a subterranean level. But I have my caving equipment with me, and uh, I'm delighted to be here. But it's slightly different in as much as, um, well... This song will explain everything. Welcome to me podcast, this time I'm quite alone. Apart from conversations I've recorded on me phone. Me pantomime has ended, today I just got back. From appearing on The One Show, at the launch of Cracker Jack. Yes, Cracker Jack's returning, it's been away too long. There's lots of happy memories included in me song. It started off the weekend, we felt glad to be alive Especially when we heard them say, it's Friday, it's five to five Cause way back in the seventies, there wasn't much to see We only had three channels on our black and white TV You'd sit around the telly, your dinner on your lap Most of it was brilliant, but some of it wasn't We didn't have a takeaway, perhaps bacon, egg and bangers But very soon we'd look at Moon and a family called the Clangers So as we ate our evening meal, including fried potatoes We learnt a funny language coming out from craters Now Valerie Singleton could do anything as we watched her on Blue Peter Make a house from some toilet rolls Nothing would defeat her John Noakes and Peter Purves They kept us all in step But how we'd cheer Cos we knew we'd hear John Noakes shout Get down, Shep! So let's switch Kakajack all the best With the new boys Sam and Mark No grapes to crush But there's Basil Brush He'll be there for a lark And let's start off this podcast, I'm gonna take you back Of happy days with Peter Glaze and my time on Cracker Jack Well I think you'll agree that that song explained everything about where I am here in Sheffield But it is another podcast and I can't do a podcast, even though I haven't got an audience I can't do a podcast without the balloon of destiny, so here it goes Balloon of Destiny. Regular listeners would be aware of the Balloon of Destiny. Right, okay, here it goes. Release the Balloon of Destiny. Oh, wow. Now the Balloon of Destiny has landed on the head of a young man sitting opposite. Uh, Tell us your name, please. Bernie, you know exactly who I am. Could you speak a bit louder? Please? They will know exactly. Too loud. They, okay. Bernie, uh, I'm Sam. I help him do the show every <sighs> month. 
I'm, I've been roped along as a captive audience. Well, and as say, a captive. When you say um, roped along, we were uh, like actually I said, roped together. As a captive. On the journey between the car park and this studio, which is on the 19th floor of a building which only has 12 floors. And uh, I'm roped is the uh, is the definitive word. Sam, thank you for joining me on my podcast. That's quite all right. It's an adventure to be here. Uh, it's not uncharted. You lost the chart, I think would be the fair thing to say. Um, I am delighted to be here to because I know you know it, it, it's a very very exciting lineup you've got planned here. You've got oh, you've, tell you've, us about you've, the lineup. You've, you've yeah. been collecting these wonderful interviews during your time over Christmas. You've been on you've been on the one show. You've been in pantomime. You've been you've been basically talking to all these wonderful, famous people and getting little interviews and little nuggets from them for this show. Yeah, about the, the little nuggets. Can I just say it's your turn for lunch? They don't do kids' meals here. That's a shame. One of the things that I mentioned in the song, of course, was Cracker Jack, where um, back in the day. Uh, in the 60s and the 70s, it was an iconic programme uh, on BBC One. Well, BBC, it was BBC, BBC Two and ITV, black and white television. And um, it was... Just, just to be clear, is this the part where I pretend not to know what Cracker Jack is? How old are you? 29. 29. Well, you don't look it. Thank you, you so much. You used to. Thank you. Oh... We actually, no, Cracker Jack was such a big thing in my life and I spent four years presenting it. And only uh, two days ago, we were in London helping to launch it where we met the new presenters, Sam and Mark, but also the old presenters, the old brigade, myself, Don McLean, Jan Hunt, Stu, Stu Francis. Francis. So let's hear, let's hear from them. I'm, <coughs> I'm here at the... I don't know who that was coughing, but I'm here at the BBC. <coughs> and, and, I, and I've been accosted by this strange female. Would you, for my podcast, would you tell me who you are and why you're here? Um, my name is Jan Hunt. Oh, Jan Hunt. I know. And we worked on Cracker Jack together. We did. Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack. And, yes. uh, and Jan, I, I don't know about you, but I had the time of my life. I did. I absolutely loved every minute. Yeah. And what, so what, what, um, why are you here tonight then at the BBC well, Broadcasting House? Well, BBC Broadcasting House is at the, uh, to uh, sort of promote the return of Cracker Jack, which yes, is coming back. Again. I know. What? It, it is coming back. It is, I know. And I want to be in it. <laughs> I think we should all be in it, don't oh, you? Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so you, I, I, when I arrived on, on the show, on the CJ show, you were already one of a fixture and fittings. And I always That's remember... True, yes. you, you gave me a great, great welcome and made me feel at home. I'm serious now for a moment. And I'll never actually forget the experience. It was, it was oh, just, it was, it was brilliant. No, it was a joy to welcome you into the team. But and you were so lovely to work with. But not only that, because you kind of, you were master, mistress of it all. Mistress of it, of it all. <laughs> because if there was a difficult lyric in a song, you just nailed it. Did I? Yes, and, oh. me, and me and Peter Glaze had to just catch on with our coat on your coattails oh, and somehow darling. get through it oh my word i don't know if i deserve that accolade i think we were such a strong team but we had such fun doing it you know it didn't we it wasn't it was hard work but yeah. it was fun and it, we had great rapport with each other but we're still in touch you, you've got this wonderful music hall company that tours and you use yes. me on all your overseas dates <laughs> like the isle of wight if one comes up on the isle of wight <laughs> yeah. 
I always, uh, you always, make, you always make me part of it, only because I'm yeah. the only one that knows the time difference. Well, this is very true. <laughs> between yes, the mainland between... and the Isle of Wight, and I know when. To, and you know where your passport is. And when to change my money. Oh. <laughs> and we've got the advantage of working together soon. At... We have it, the good old days in Leeds. Yes, yeah? I know. Well, you're very popular there. You're one of their favourites. Well, you I'm, know that, I'm, don't I'm, you? I'm going back as I'm part of my. I'm such a creep. Hunter. Yeah, but I'm going back soon as part of my apology tour. Oh, yes, oh, apologise for the first time you yes, went. <laughs> all the places I've worked in previous years, I'm going back once again just to say I'm really oh, sorry. Darling, and it you're won't happen again. Very welcome. So, so from, we, Jan, from Jan Hunt's yes, broadcasting house yes, in London on yes. the launching the new, the new Cracker Jack series. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining me on my podcast. Oh, this is Bernie, Bernie Clifton uh, saying thank you and just wondering who was that? Yeah, the lovely Jan Hunt. And Jan really was a rock. You know, Sam, back in the day when I first went into television, Jan was already a, a, a major presence on the show and she absolutely nailed it. She was, we, me and Peter Glaze used to grab hold of her and say, help us through this, because it was as live to many millions of people sitting around their black and white television. Can I just ask, you say that... Obviously, Jan, you say, you, you mentioned there she was part of the fixtures and the fittings when you turned up. She was sort of the mistress of it all. So for you, when you just turned up for this huge, you know, this huge gig, this huge break, was there any particular pieces of advice that she gave you or indirectly things that you just learned from her that influenced your later career? One of the things that I was told, actually, quite early on, after the first episode of Cracker Jack, I was taken to one side uh, by uh, this executive producer, and I was working alongside a man called Peter Glaze. And Peter Glaze, again, was a fixture and fitting, and he was like a Shakespearean character. He was small, rotund, but he had this wonderful baritone voice. And I was told by Robin Nash, the executive producer, he's, he's, he's burying you. Whatever you do, you've got to project, even though it's projecting onto a little box in the corner of a living room, you have to counter. And I had to deliver and pronunciate and project far more. So early days, I learnt that um, for this to work, straight man and comic, I had to be more of a force. It was a learning curve from day one. You had to, for want of a better way, make your presence felt. You had to not be overshadowed absolutely to, yeah it's just someone Pete. else uh, you know of, of, a, of a then higher caliber just pushing you to be better and that's perfectly normal yeah i mean peter was um and anybody of a certain age that remembers cracker jack peter was uh, it was brilliant he was he had this sort of um and he could be projected it was like and it was i've used the expression already it was kind of shakespearean and he had this sort of little gimmick this little thing he could do, if he was frustrated, he would go, oh! Oh! and it was, he was renowned for it. He was renowned for it. And then he'd go off in a huff going, we did, we did a thing on the log flume on the pleasure beach in Blackpool, where we had to go, the, the Dodgem car that we were in, in the film, leapt onto the dog flume and we went up and down getting soaked. We had to do it about 20 times. And I said to Peter, how, we, how can you survive this? He said, well, every time we hit, we start to go down, I just go... 
about 10 seconds. So I mentioned the phrase learning curve. It really was a, a crack joke for me, was a learning curve. And somebody else I learned from as well was the man I, I replaced on the show, Don McLean. Well, here I am at Broadcasting House in, um, in London with the legend, none other than... Uh, well, tell us who you are. I'm the man who taught Bernie Clifton everything. So about which, comedy. So it's your fault. <laughs> Can I just say, you've got a lot to answer for. I have, really. Uh, Don, uh, Don McLean, it's great to, uh, great to chat uh, at this launch, at this Crackerjack launch. And uh, I can't wait to sit there and watch the old clips of you and I of how we were 40 years ago. You haven't changed at all. No, no. And, and you've got thinner. And I look. <laughs> I look like a son I never met. <laughs> what, have you got a strong memory of a Cracker Jack, though? Of course. Yeah. It was wonderful. Best, arguably the best time of my life, professionally, anyway. Yeah. It was just tremendous. Yeah. And, uh, of course, in those days, as you know, we only had three television channels. Marvellous thing was everybody in the country, not just the kids, but everybody in the country knew who you were. It was very difficult. You couldn't go shopping or do anything sensible, but it was, uh, it was a great time of life. And it was also a time... Don, when oh, there was only one screen in the household, yeah, in the corner of the front room, yeah. Whereas nowadays, everybody in the house has got their own. They got their own telly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but apparently, one of the beauties of the new—it's not five to five. It's Friday, is it? No, it's been streamed, and people can watch and sit. And yeah, watch it. television viewing is completely different. It's uh, it's something that we could never even have imagined all those years ago. And uh, a word about the, the, the guy that uh, we couldn't have done it without. Of course, that's Peter Glaze. Tell Little us. Fat Glaze, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what was he like, Peter? He was difficult. Yeah? Oh, yeah. He was hard work. But uh, he was very, very, very good at what he did. And he was probably the most generous man I've ever met. He was always first up to the bar. If, uh, if you went out to a restaurant with him, uh, when you went to pay, you found that he'd already paid for you. He, was, uh, he had some very, very good qualities. And a great, great like, almost like a pro forma for a straight man, because he was so, so, and he got yeah. this wonderful baritone tenor voice, if you like. And the, the, the range of expression. I mean, you, every expression told a complete story, didn't it, yeah. from him? Uh, he, uh, he's, he was a man of the theatre, and that was the thing in those days, you know. People on television had come through the theatre, not just the performers, but also the producers and directors. They were all, all theatre people. Nowadays, people go to university, and next thing you know, they're directing television, and I, I just don't know how they do it. Yeah. And Peter Clays, of course, had that famous... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his kind of trademark, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll never, never forget the experience of Cracker Jack, and I'm sure you won't either. Don McLean, thanks for being on my podcast. It was a pleasure. Don McLean reaffirming the Peter Glaze. So, Sam, it was another era, and it was like doing rep on television, weekly rep, because every week... You had to learn it and perform it as live to three million people. Um, and the Alan Bell, the director, who went on to uh, do Last of the Summer Wine, told us, if you make a mistake, it's going to go out. Don't think you can stop the recording. We did it as live every Friday. Wow, we were up against it, but that's the best way to learn. And you say there, he taught you, or at least that's what he says, he taught you everything you know. How much truth is there? There's a wry smile on your face. Well, actually, uh, following Don McLean, uh, Don was a hard act to follow because he, again, had great presence and he'd done it for four years. 
and it, it was there were big boots to fill. So I, I realized that um, I had to raise my game uh, because I thought that the, there was a gulf between performing in cabaret, and that's what I was at the time. I was a turn, and and getting down to uh, to television. Projection is everything. But one thing I would like to say about that era of Cracker Jack is we were so current. Nowadays, I should think that if you were trying to go out doing alternative comedy, or if you're a stand-up of, of some uh, prestige, you could hardly do children's television. Whereas back in the day, I would be a guest on Sooty, Sooty's Christmas TV show, I was doing Cracker Jack, I was doing Late Night Cabaret. There was no stigma attached. And we were very current. On, on, I'll give you an example. On the week that Morecambe and Wise left the BBC to go to Thames Television, to go to ITV, we did a sketch where Peter Glaze was Logie Baird and I was his hapless assistant. And when I turned up, Peter went, what are you doing here? Where's all the others? And I said, uh, line from the script, They've gone to Thames with Eric and Ernie. So come the day of the transmission, the bosses at the BBC heard this line and said, there's no way that's being that's going out because it was such a sensitive time that the BBC were losing Morecambe and Wise to commercial television. So I had to go into the TV centre, stand in the sound booth with an engineer who had two faders in front of him. And as the line approached, he turned this transmission fader down and my own personal fader up so instead of saying they've gone to Thames with Eric and Ernie the nation heard me say they've gone to the game it's Evan and Burnley and that's the way we operated we were right on the edge on the fly mm. as live yeah. and obviously that probably didn't look that badly lip synced. No one would ever know. No one would ever. Well, they do now. It's too late for them to complain. <laughs> As we move through uh, Cracker Jack into the next uh, generation, as I left, who should join but uh, Stu Francis, famous for his phrase, I could crush a grape. And here he is. And, and here we are. Here I am once again uh, with a familiar face. When I say familiar face, it's because I'm a regular watcher of Crime Watch. Yes. I've been accosted again by somebody who is demanding to be part of the Bernie Clifton podcast. Well, I thought Could you because... Tell us your name to start with? Well, my name's Stu Francis. Stu. Yeah, and somebody said I've got a great face for a podcast. <laughs> so here I am, and talking to a leg end. A leg end. And what are you doing here in a broadcasting house in London? Well, actually, I'm, uh, I'm working for the RSPCA. They've, <coughs> they've lost an ostrich. Oh, I, I've been sent down to see if I can find anything, and uh, uh, I was told try the BBC. But the man on the door said, "Well, it'll be a bloody cold day before he comes back here." So I've not found it. I'm intrigued by your accent. What part of Norway are you from? Well, <laughs> well, that's German, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just? Uh, just yeah. Stu, it's great to chat because we're both former presenters of Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack! I know, it will never leave us, will it? No, it won't. We try as we may. Can't shake it off, man. It'll, it'll find no. us. So, tell us about this reunion we're having today. Well, apparently we, we, we've been asked to come down to sort of... Uh, Pick lend it up some, a bit. Lend some lend to, yeah. Get it in the Premier League. Yeah, with all, this, with the, yeah. all these lightweight presenters. That's and, it, and no, yeah. Alleged yeah. stars that are around. Yeah. They said the producers 
decided they need a bit of help. Okay. So obviously, we've been invited. And and your time on Cracker Jack, yeah. Cracker Jack. You wouldn't have missed it, would you? I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't have missed it. No, no. I remember. No. I'm putting words in your mouth. Come up with your own answers if you want. <laughs> really? Well, no. I do. I do miss it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't miss the money because uh, there wasn't there wasn't any money. No, there wasn't really, no. In fact, I think I owe them a few quid. Yeah, my, my motto at the time was how to get on tele- television and stay in debt. That's it. <laughs> and, and, and how to get a second mortgage. That's right. But treasured moments. Oh, they were. But after, like, after every episode, I got an invoice off the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Would you pay us? That's it, yeah. Pay us for the privilege. Yeah, yeah. And and then I get red letters and things like that. And Mr Francis, can you send us what you was before the next episode? So, as I say, it uh, it didn't change my life financially. In fact, in fact, it ruined it, I would think. But uh, nevertheless, well, Stuart, I had a smile on my face. Well, Stuart, you've started to ramble, so I'd better cut this short. Can I yeah, just but say you, you do realise how old I am, don't you? I'm allowed to ramble. <laughs> Can I just say what a thrill and a pleasure it must be for you to be adjacent as we stand here on the fifth floor of Broadcasting House, looking down, you're tempted to tip me over the edge. So I feel that the, my moment has come to thank you for being on Bernie Clifton's podcast. Oh, that's who you are. <laughs> I thought I knew your face. God, I'm stood here thinking it's Leslie Crowther. <laughs> oh yeah. Could have been worse. I could have said Eamon Andrews. And you probably will. Yeah. Thanks, Eamon. It's been great. (laughs) I I really enjoyed that. Can I ask you one question that deviates slightly from Cracker Jack? Because he brought it up there. He brought up the ostrich, Oswald. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. I've known you for a few years now, on and off. And And I'm just really, really curious because... I've never seen Oswald. Wow. I've never seen the Oswald. Because when people, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, do you, oh, Sam, you do that show with, uh, with Bernie Clifton. I said, oh, yeah, you know, he's, you know, he's a friend of mine. I was on his show on Radio Sheffield and then doing this podcast together. And they always say, I suppose because the image of you riding Oswald is such an enduring yeah. image from your career. They said, oh, have you ever, you know... What's the ostrich like? It's almost the first question. I'm not sure how you feel hearing that, but it's almost the first mm. question, almost always. Oh, the ostrich. Yeah. And oh, then no. I feel I kind of like take it a little bit personally that I've known You've him for a couple him. of years and I've never, ever seen him. And I know that sounds like a really immature thing to say, almost like pedantic, but I'm kind of like, hang on. Oh, no, Am I the ostrich? <laughs> I understand. I understand totally because um, it is, the obituary is already written and the ostrich is it's such a powerful ident mm. that I'll never be rid of it but in a way in many ways I'm, gr- I'm grateful for it because I was a turn amongst like hundreds of other turns uh, back in the day and I was I, and I, let's revert back to Stu Francis just for a moment because mm-hmm. Stu was a very very close friend of Les Dawson and Les Dawson became my mentor and I met Les Dawson uh, in the early 70s, I think it was my first TV show, long before Cracker Jack, when I was uh, on the good old days from the City Varieties Theatre in Leeds. And at the end of the show, I thought I'd done okay. I did a few little gags and a song. And Les took me to one side and said, um, and, he, and he really stripped away the euphoria that I had 
of the because I thought I was pretty good on the TV show. And he said, you're all right, but you're only doing what a hundred other comics are doing. And at the time, the comedians was the biggest thing on British television, where people stood up, did a few gags, etc. And he said, you're just one of a hundred. He said, what do you really like to do? I said, well, I'll be honest, Les. I said, I love doing visual comedy. He said, well, why don't you go out and forge your own furrow and become a visual comic. And the following day, I thought, inspired by Les, who I admired greatly, as everyone did, inspired by Les, I was in Chesterfield Town Centre and a shop had been taken over for the Oxfam charity and in the shop window was a full-size hearthrug lion skin. So I went in and I said, how much for the, for the lion skin? And they went, everything's 50p. So I gave the guy 50p and I walked out with a lion under my arm. I had a, always had a towing chain in my car, put it round the neck and I trolled this thing up and down Chesterfield Marketplace, becoming a visual comic. I became obsessed. And, every, and that actually convinced me that I had a direction to follow and I thanked, like, I, you know, I had the lion skin, I went and bought from a... TV studio, I bought a 12-foot rubber shark, I had a pair of biscuit tins that I danced in, I had a cat on my shoulder, I had compressed air under a cloak. I became a total visual comic. And somewhere along the line, the ostrich arrived as one of a series of visual props. So, And that was the one that stuck. You know, or, or, or clearly it's the one that stuck, but because of that piece of advice from Les Dawson... Yeah. And you went out and sought out a new kind of uh, you know, comedic method, so yeah. to speak, in, 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 to, yeah. to go full visual. And this led to ser- a series of different props. That, so that one piece of advice led to this ostrich, led to Oswald and led to that kind of enduring comedic image of you. I found, um, I found a which direction. Which is fascinating, which is fascinating. I found a direction. And in, in years to come, as the years unrolled, Les used to say, and I'd, I'd appear with Les and I'd meet him, he just nudged me and said, he said, I put you right back there in 1971, didn't I? And I went, Les, you certainly did. I, I owed the man a lot. Wonderful human being. And Stu, Stu Francis, was a very close friend of Les. <laughs> However... Let's move on a bit because we've mentioned. So, no, no, no. I'm happy to move on. I mean, I've, we've just got a very interesting Oswald origin story, which I absolutely love. Coming yeah. to cine- cinemas <laughs> next year. <laughs> Oswald begins. Yeah, coming to a screen near you. So I've, asked, so- I've asked where Oswald is. I've still not got an answer, but I've got where he came from, and I'll yeah. settle for that. That's fine. We, one of the things, uh, the great thing about my career. I mean, if you can call it career, it's just a series of accidents, I suppose, is that uh, moving through television and talking to Don McLean, who I replaced on Cracker Jack, then, of course, Jan, who I worked with, Stu Francis, who replaced me. Stu was replaced by Sam and Mark, the new Cracker Jack presenters. And I was happy to be part of the first episode in the new series in a wonderful sketch called The Old Masters, so I had a chat with Sam and Mark at the launch. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, I've been accosted here at the BBC by two uh, young men, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves because I've no idea who they are. 
<laughs> I can tell you that this is Bernie Cliffin's podcast, and perhaps we, we'll all become a bit wiser. Hello, what's your name? Hello, my name is Sam. Sam, and what's your name? Uh, Mark. Well, thank you very much. That's all for now. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, why did you insist on coming onto my podcast? Because you are a lovely, lovely man, and we and we just we wanted to be on it because obviously it's your podcast. I'm filling up. <laughs> when I gave you that script, yes, <laughs> and and and, Mark, and the fiver. <laughs> and, and what about because one of you is a Barnsley lad? And that's me. Yeah, I'm yeah. a Barnsley lad, and, Sam. And, and, and Mark, you're I'm, from, I'm from Wolverhampton. So well, more from yeah. Sam then. Yeah. <laughs> You don't want anything from me. On Nobody's it, interested in you from no. all about <laughs> Tell us all. This is great. I mean, we're here and it's the podcast. Yeah. And we've just got a new year starting. So mm. tell us why we're all here at the BBC in London. Well, it's very exciting, actually, because we were actually going on the one show to talk about the new series of Crackerjack, which obviously you know a lot about because you were on it for a number of years. And uh, yeah, we're, we're bringing it back on the. Can, the, I, the, can I just interrupt? Yeah, when, when you said it's very exciting. Yes, exciting. Yeah, they won't understand that. Did you do that to alienate our York? I know, exciting. 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 So, but no, how did you two first meet, though? So me and Mark met on a talent show called Pop Idol 16 years ago. So we were singers originally, uh, but we we got a great bond on that. We became friends and we got put together as a duo after it. We released a couple of singles, but then we fell into presenting by accident and have never looked back. What a great story. And when was that? 2003. Yeah. So things are really... When you think of your journey from 2003 mm. for all that all the things you've accomplished and yet here you are insisting that you want to be part of my podcast it's the this is pivotal the dream. moment this is it this is, is it, is all, it? Is it, where did it go wrong then <laughs> now bernie it all boils down to this this is going on the cv mate i'm telling you okay well listen i'm very thrilled to meet thanks for sparing me a moment i've got to go back my principal carer is waiting for me <laughs> So you could just say something that says it's great to be on Bernie Clifton's podcast. I don't want to put words in your no, mouth. No, of, of course. Well, but it is. It is great to be on Bernie Clifton's podcast. Yes, it's, it's an honour and a privilege, sir. Thank you very much so for having I, us. I actually did put the words in your mouth. A little, a massively little, did, little bit. But, but, but yeah, we love it anyway. But we love it anyway. Okay. And I'd like to say to my listener, like, well, I've got four <laughs> listeners, actually. <laughs> They meet once a month. It's a, they meet in a phone box in Sheffield. Okay, yeah. And I actually ring Which the phone num- box? I ring the number at <laughs> the station. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I, know, yeah. I just ring the number and they all answer. Which oh, really brilliant. I wish you well in all that you do. Thank, Thank you, you Bernie. Thank you for your time. It's and a how pleasure. It is. Wonderful. Yeah, Sam and Mark, the new presenters of the new series of Crackerjack. And I can encourage anyone who hasn't seen the new series... Find it on the BBC. On the it'll be on the iPlayer. It'll be streamed. It's on CBBC. And of course, there is no Friday. It's five to five. It's Crackerjack anymore because everyone's right. streaming and listening at different and watching at different times, aren't they? Of course. I mean, Crackerjack wasn't just a great show, but kind of like a product of a very different time. In the sense that when the world stopped on a Friday afternoon, and everyone finished work, and, ev- and the family sat down together with one screen in the house. Mm. And enjoyed that so it was it became very traditional and how you know that was like the big kind of like cabaret family entertainment sort of show that how do you think crackerjack returning will fare in an in a in an age that's so different i think um i think crackerjack will do really well from what i've seen of the opening episode because it was out and out variety um, the production values were very, very high. And I think when I, when I do pantomime and I work to families, people want spectacle. People can see on a screen almost anything. 
But whereas um, in terms of watching Crackerjack on a screen, I think they'll be mightily impressed. In the opening episode of which we were part, there was a, a, a fire act, like a circus act. There was a ventriloquist. There were sketches. The, it was it, right across the board. It was out and out variety. And I think there's a generation of people that haven't been served well mm. in what television has to offer, which is out and out variety. They've been starved and, of that a little bit. And yeah. the itch hasn't been scratched. Or they just don't know that they've got the itch. Yeah, basically. and I think, uh, I think Cracker Jack will, uh, will fill that void. So you think... They will just punch through anyway. It's it's entertainment. It's great. It's great entertainment, and I think uh, I think families will love it. Great entertainment will always find a home. So, what have you got next? One of the great things about my business is the fact that when you meet somebody that you that you first met 30, 40 years ago, and you haven't seen them for ten years, it's as if. It was a week ago. It's as if you'd never been apart. You can pick up. And um, in September last year, on the seafront at Eastbourne, I met my old buddy, Hilary O'Neill. You're listening to Bernie Clifton's podcast. And I'm here with my old friend. Old? Well, not that old, but, you know, we've been, we've been together now for 40 years. And it don't seem a day we've, wor- we, we've worked so much. And, of course, I'm referring to Mick Miller. Hello, Mick. Hello, Bernie. How are you? Well, it's nothing like Mick. I should be able to do impressions. You are Hilary O'Neill. Hello. And I'm thrilled for you to be part of my podcast. This is a really exciting time for you. You're, like, down with the kids now. You've got a podcast going. I'm down with the kids, yeah. Let's, t- but let's talk about... Enough about me. Let's talk about Hilary O'Neill. Mm. Now, you're from... Surrey, mm-hmm. and I know that people from Kingstoners, from Kingston call themselves Kingstoners, right? And people from, um, uh, let's think of another town, people from um, Richmond call themselves Richmonders, right? But does that make you a Godalminga? <laughs> Godalminga, that's really you've actually worked on that. I can't believe it. Yes, I live near a town called Godalming in Surrey, but um, everywhere's familiar to me in. Great Britain, because I've worked so many different places, yeah. you know. Well, with an act like yours, it's best to travel. Keep moving. <laughs> Keep moving. Uh. Well, we're here, this is fantastic, because oh. I haven't seen you for a long time, Hilary O'Neill, and we're here on the seafront in Eastbourne on a beautiful, beautiful sunny afternoon. I can see the pier. We can see the pier from here, yeah. yeah. I can see that person on the other side, just taking the hubcaps off your car. <laughs> And um, what are you, what, tell us what you're up to. So, um, well, the, the reason we're here is because you've just done a sensational afternoon um, chat, charity event, which you stormed, which I'm so proud because I was instrumental in in suggesting you. Did you this. say instrumental? In I did. But and I haven't had any wine with my lunch, but did I did you mean say, to say instrumental. instrumental. Yes, I did. It'll okay. always be that forever. Yeah. But um, no, you did me proud. Um, wonderful. And the charity benefited. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh, yes, so we, uh, at the moment, I am uh, currently cruising. And I, um, I've got about eight cruises this year. I've got four more left this season. Um, I'm doing a little bit less work as a stand-up comedian and impressionist and singer purely for two reasons. I've now gone into management, so I'm now looking after people's acts, and I'm also looking after my mum a little bit more um, because uh, she, she needs me at home a bit. But it's actually brought a little bit of balance into my life. I think the business is fantastic. I still feel great about what I do. I love the comedy more than anything. And you were instrumental in starting me all off when we did Panto together in summer seasons way back 81 and 84 and I told you I think I'd like to be an act how do you become an act and you single-handedly got me started in the mentality to 
develop. So you could say that I was instrumental. Oh no, don't make me say it again. But I won't say it. Say what? What instrumentalism? <laughs> it doesn't work. Well, say mentalism. Mentalism. And then instra. Mentalism instra. And then put them back together. Strength and mentalism. Exactly. But <laughs> let's t- tell me about this new act that you're managing. Oh, this is exciting. So seeing things from the other side and talking money for, for your act is, is fantastic. He is a 19-year-old comedy ventriloquist. I can say that. Why can't I say instruments? In the but I can say ventriloquist. Because you're moving your lips. That's exactly what say it is. Instrumentalist. instrumentalist. And his name is Max Fulham. And I'm so excited. I introduced him when he was 17 years old at the Theatre Royal Brighton. He was put on a show bill by a producer who'd seen a snapshot of him on YouTube, like this young kid just with his puppets, and said, I wanted to give him a break. I said, wonderful. Introduced him, stood in the wings and thought, right, let's see what this kid does. He stormed his spot. And I remember thinking, you know, funnily enough, we're sitting here at Eastbourne uh, on the front here looking at the pier. You know those machines that you put a pound in or something? To the, the, the grabber yep. goes over a toy and mm. sort of picks it up, but it never succeeds, really, if you're lucky. But that's mentally what I did with my brain and my sort of... my imaginary arm it's like um, he is mine it was a defining moment and I haven't felt so excited about seeing somebody that I knew I had to have I wanted to work with him I liked him and since then we've worked together for the last two years and I've got him loads of work and the goodwill is coming Max Fulham and he's can't a, he's tell a, you how good he is. He's unbelievable. But he's only how old 19. is he? Nineteen. Nineteen. He's got the world at his feet. Oh, he's adorable. And you know what, Bernie? He's got almost the same brain. You know, I've been in the business forty-one years. You've been in it a little bit longer. But he's got our mentality now because he reads. He's watched. He's learnt. He's studied his craft. Um, he's like an old soul. He he. His you know he can't believe. There's people that I know that I'm putting him in touch with, you know, and the phone calls I, I make saying, hey, guess what? I've just, you know, I've just got you this TV show and he literally falls apart. He can't believe what's happening. And it's a big thrill. And we're all going to be together in the studios in Salford <gasps> mm-hmm. uh, because we're all going to be part of the new series of Cracker Jack. <laughs> which will be sensational. Oh, I can't myself, Don McLean, Jan Hunt, I hope. Oh, I and of hope course, so. and, and Max Fulham. Well, Jan has been extraordinary. I've always been such a massive Jan Hunt fan anyway. And she uses and works Max as often as she possibly can on her old time music shows you know she adores him well it's great that he's I'm sure he's going to have a great great career and and of course one of the reasons will be that you've been instrumental in in his career I really care about him I'm not an agent I hate the word agent I want to be like an entertainment broker where people come to O'Neill Management is my new company And I've just taken on another act today, um, yesterday actually, uh, a mind reader who's just unbelievable. So he's my a new focus for me. What's his name? Matt Daniel Baker. Matt Daniel Baker. Yeah, he's so, unbelievable. So, so Max Fulham and Matt Daniel, Daniel Baker, Baker. Yeah. names to look out for. Yes, um, I'm hoping so. But I don't want a big stable. I don't want an office or 10 by 8s all over the walls. I don't want to be responsible for the pressure of filling a date sheet in that yeah. sense. Um, but I'm doing pretty well with Max. He's got a great balance of work and he's very happy. And I'm pushing, and he's doing a great panto. He's doing Bromley panto with Biggins. 
so he couldn't be in better company for Panto. That's great news. Yes, um, and you're in, where are you again, Panto? I'm at Northampton with right. Anita Dobson yes. and, and a cast of several. Fabulous. And uh, what can I say, Hilary O'Neill, thank you so oh, much for contributing you. to my new venture, if you like, to my, uh, to my podcast. You know what, everyone that listens to it needs to spread the word and tell five people about it. Every single person, tell five people, and then they will tell five people, and soon you're going to be viral. Which would make them instrumentalists. What would it make them? The instrumentalists. <laughs> In the success of Bernie Clifton's podcast. Hilary O'Neill, love you, you dearly. I love brother. you too, my forever friend. You Go. helped start me off and I'll never forget that. Thank I'll you. I'll never forget being Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with the podcast. The lovely Hilary O'Neill, a long-time buddy, back in 1981, uh, she was a dancer and asked me for some tips on how she could become uh, an entertainer and have her own act. And we had, uh, on the back of my dressing room door, we put a large piece of card and I wrote, start and then finish. And we built her act up. Um, uh, and she still got a piece of cardboard and she became very, very successful. Very talented, great singer, great dancer and a great, as you've just heard, great impressionist. And also it seems like she's a very good uh, manager in the sense that there's a couple of uh, really unexciting talents that she mentioned there. Oh, yes, she's yes. got a couple of great new acts. Yes, um, we heard there just, uh, you know, about Max Fulham, the ventriloquist. And Matt Daniel Baker, the mind reader. Mind reader, yeah. Which Names you have to say, if, you, if you're going to say the words mind reader, you have to put slight emphasis, mind reader. Yeah, and and, and Yeah, without yeah moving, one of those, yeah. Without moving your lips. Uh, names to look out for. Here's another name to look out for. Uh, Bernie Clifton. <laughs> yeah, he's got chances. Uh, I work with a lady in pantomime who's an absolute sweetheart, Anita Dobson, from uh, from EastEnders, and she works through, she stars in musicals. I've seen Fiddler on the Roof. Um, She's been in everything and just happens to be married to a rock god, uh, Brian May, Mm -hmm. and I had the delight of working with Anita in pantomime. We've just finished... Uh, Cinderella, and she played Baroness Angelique, my evil, uh, my evil wife, with uh, those wonderful stepdaughters that she brought with her, the ugly sisters. We had such a great time, and I asked her just to say a few words, uh, wishing us the very best for the podcast. And here she is. Well, here I am. It's Bernie Clifton podcast, and uh, New Year greetings. I'm backstage at the Derngate Theatre with the lovely, adorable. Anita Dobson. Anita, uh, had a good year? It's been an amazing year, actually. Very, very chaotic, very busy, but nonetheless wonderful, full of surprises. So, yeah, let's hope that 2020 is going to be just as exciting and that all of you people out there have a really, really wonderfully happy new year. That was so perfectly done. I, you ought to be in show business. Do you think so? Do you think I've got a chance? I think I could... I know people. Do you? Do you know anybody that wants to manage me, Bernie? Well, I don't manage. Are you manageable? Well, I mean, people say no, but then look at you. You've done well and you're completely unmanageable. <laughs> Anita Dobson, Happy New Year to us both. Yes. May the best of the best happen to us. Yes, big kiss. Thank you. The lovely Anita Dobson, who... Um, it was is such a sweetheart. I mean, um, and so talented. People don't realise they saw her on EastEnders, but the girl sings, she dances, uh, she and she can play any kind of character. Um, it's the second time I've worked with Anita, 
in uh, pantomime and I hope there will be another occasion. It's a very successful show. It was Cinderella. I've done over 40 pantomimes, and I'll never forget my first pantomime. It was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It was at the Palace Theatre in Newark. And as I drove into rehearsals, I wasn't paying attention, and I ran into the car in front, and one of the dwarfs got out the car, and he was fuming. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, I, 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 are you all right? He said, well, I'm not happy. I said, well, which one are you then? <laughs> And never miss an opportunity. I'd, I'd like to take this moment to uh, echo Anita's sentiments that yes. you are completely unmanageable. Unmanageable. <laughs> and, and indeed, um, as we round off this one-off uh, <clears throat> podcast, because it's, it's unlike any other podcast that we've done, I can mm -hmm. only urge, uh, wherever you are, whenever, at any opportunity, don't forget to watch the new series of Cracker Jack! <laughs> Oh, it works. It really works. <coughs> it really does work. It really does work. So once again, all right, um, Cracker Jack. <laughs> See? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, thanks it's, ever so much for listening. Important. From myself and uh, what was it Sam Hutchinson? Not to mention Cornucopia Radio. Not to mention and Peter Beeston, he, and not he, who was sat here at the start, but his insurance has expired. <laughs> he was he was seen, last seen looking for a fourth floor window. <laughs> Can we just mention the the premises that have lent us the studio today? Absolutely. Um, we've been very fortunate enough to be um, very um, well looked after today by the hospitality of Curious Arts, um, who have a very hospitable cave here. <laughs> Here, here in the heart of Sheffield. Here somewhere in Sheffield. And so here's to the next edition of podcast. Wherever you are, look forward to tuning in next time. joining us and listening to the Bernie Clifton podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a star rating or comment in whatever podcast application you're using. Your feedback will really help us make everything even better. The show was produced for Cornucopia Radio by Bernie Clifton and Sam Hutchinson. The sound engineer was Peter Beeston. You can get even more involved with the show by visiting our webpage, where you can access all the podcast subscription links and join the Bernie Clifton Podcast fan page on Facebook. You just need to point your internet to cornucopia-radio.co.uk slash Bernie Clifton. Do you, do you know what? It's, I think he's, he's got the song with him, so it's okay. He's got the song. It's fine. Bye.